0: Good afternoon, and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Kreisel, and Diane Duvernay and I are your hosts every week, right here on AM 1290, FM 96.9, and streaming at AM 1290 KZSB.com. We're repeated at 11 and on Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates and a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets and in Montecito's Upper Village, and Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution.
1: Hi, Neil. How are you today?
0: I'm doing fine, but I'm preparing for the heat. Apparently, it's going to get very warm here.
1: I know. That's what I keep hearing. You know, again, you'll have to lodge that complaint with your real estate agent.
0: I know I was told it never changes between 72 and 72. So I'm good. I, <laughs> but I've been here 20, almost 24 years. Do I have a case against my broker or is it too late?
1: I think you're uh, what, is, what is it was called. The uh, latches expired. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the The part where you have the case, but anyways, We are thrilled to welcome to the show today, Wendy Demansky, who's the owner of Wink Face Photography. Wendy, thanks for being our guest today.
2: Hi, Dan. thank you so much for having me.
0: So the the first article I have today is about how we know whether or not we're in a recession. And um, many pundits take a look at gross national uh, income and gross national product uh, as if they were the same, but they're not. And in the newspapers, it will say GDP is down for two consecutive quarters. That means we're in a recession. Well, not necessarily because first of all, um, gross national uh, product and gross domestic income are two different things. Uh, For every dollar an individual spends to buy something, a restaurant, a meal, a car, a doctor's visit, another individual earns a dollar of income to make or deliver the goods or services. And uh, it obviously they should be the same uh, because it should equal out uh, whatever you spend. Somebody else is getting that receipt, but uh, there's usually some discrepancy, but this time the discrepancy has been unusually large. For the first half of this year, GDP contracted 1.1% on an annual rate. At the same time, gross domestic income, uh, actually, increase 1.6 percent. So um, it gives you a kind of like, what am, am I going to make of that? Um, and uh, one of the uh, uh, Federal Reserve economists uh, has recently said that uh, GDP tends to be revised over the short term uh, toward um, income so that one would expect based on historical trends is that uh, GDP may not be as bad as it looks given the fact that GDI uh, is up as opposed to down. So again, this is one more, you know, element, confusing element in whether or not the economy is in fact in a recession or whether or not it's just kind of floating along.
1: Well, I think what's really interesting on that, Neil, is you have a lot of um, conflicting data points. So. Normally, when you have income, or or I should say income rising and unemployment dropping, when the two of those lines intersect, if you're looking at a graph, it normally spins the economy into a recession. However, what we're seeing right now out there is the two lines have actually crossed and wage growth is up and unemployment is down. And so they're actually in birth of each other never before in history have we had a recession with the unemployment rate at the lowest it's ever been. And that's really where we are today. And so what then we have on the flip side of that is you have an inverted yield curve. So when when you hear people talking about an inverted yield curve, they're really looking at the two-year treasury versus the 10-year. And currently, it's inverted. I want to say it's somewhere like 2.9 for the two or 3.1 for the 2 year, 2.9 for the for the 10 year. That's indicated that's indicative of a recession, just like two quarters of negative GDP growth. However, it's worth noting that the first quarter of negative GDP growth was really a surprise to most economists as what really caused that wasn't lack of spending on the US consumers part, it was the strong dollar. So because all of our American-made goods were more expensive overseas, it caused those overseas consumers to not buy our products because they were too expensive relative to their domestically-made products. So that really is what's going on. And it's very conflicting. And it's it's an unusual time at this point to to really read the tea leaves. But an important thing to remember is that the stock market is a forward predictor. So it's not predicting what's happening now, it's three to six months in the future, which I think is why you're looking at about 60% of the economists right now calling for a recession in 2023.
0: Um well that's a um unfortunate uh, reality for some of us. <laughs> uh but uh the reality is Well, I
1: think for stock investors, if you look at what a recession is, and, and I always, you know, everybody doesn't like recessions. Because you know you feel some pain if you're invested in the markets, but a recession, if you think of it like farming, it's winter. It's when you start pruning back the unproductive limbs of your of if we if we look at a, a grape, for instance, if you look at the vines for wine, which is very you know I want to say a large percentage of Santa Barbara County's um, domestic or gross domestic product of the of the county comes from wine growth. And without that pruning back of those unproductive vines, it never allows for you to get a superior fruit And it. So if you liken that to the seasons where you have winter that, you know, kills off or prunes back those unproductive lines, that enables you to have spring where there's new growth, new ideas, and summer where things start to blossom, which then gives you fall, which is a harvest. So- it is a very necessary part of our economic cycle. Emotionally, people don't like it, but the efficiencies that it creates, you will like in the next full market.
0: Well, thanks for that segue by talking about trees and branches because uh, the next article by the intelligent investor, Jason Swagen, this weekend's Wall Street Journal, um, is about, uh, as he calls it, uh, monkey business. And um, it begins by saying, forget about the efficient market hypothesis, what about the simian market hypothesis, which is uh, what he is referring to is um, uh, the uh, AMC movie theater uh, run that took place because young people who are called apes, uh, they call themselves apes, went ahead and pushed the stock AMC up to incredible twelve hundred percent in night in two thousand and twenty one. Even though the the basic business was failing, the theater business was failing. Um, and what happened interestingly was the company, which was running short of cash, the article goes on to say, decided to take advantage of this uh, increase in stock to issue five hundred million new shares. Well, they didn't. The, the, the apes didn't like that, and the stock crashed uh then in order to figure out how to get around their own apes they came up with a preferred stock issue which um is a hybrid actually a preferred equity that's convertible into uh, AMC stock and by the way uh the the, the irony is not lost the symbol for this preferred stock is ape and um the uh, APE was a way to get around uh, the rejection of the shareholders uh, issuing new shares because the preferred stock did not need shareholder approval. And so you, by the way, uh, AMC is now down to almost its all time low. And in fact, this may have backfired. And yet, I'm gonna go to the next article. Uh, There was an article in the New York Times that, that said, preferred stock deal is being closely watched by other uh, investment bankers because they've looked at this as a way to get around shareholder approval. That is, if in fact you can issue a preferred stock without uh, approval of your shareholders and have that stock converti- convertible into common shares, uh, it's a way to go ahead and issue more shares uh, without having to get a- approval. So, um uh, people are watching this beyond simply the, uh, the the shenanigans that AMC is doing.
1: Well, it kind of is, sounds reminiscent of you know what was going on with the stock, and pe- when people start to do a runaround to the rules, it's where you want to run away from the stock because no good management company wants to circumvent their shareholders because that's usually their, who they're reporting to. And so AMC, you know, the eights as um, Jason Schwag so Ill- articulately calls them, I think they're gonna find themselves, if you invest in a business that can't make money, their winter time has come, it's time for them to die off. And that's just the reality of it.
0: Uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back. Thank The Council on Alcoholism and Drug Abuse, also known as CADA, offers an adult residential treatment program that provides 24 hour care and supervision in a safe, cost effective environment. Here's Adam Burridge.
3: Residential treatment is a 30 day
0: episode with a maximum of 90 days. And once someone comes in, we do an initial comprehensive assessment to really kind of get to know the client, figure out maybe what some of their traumas
4: might be, past experience, family, psychosocial. And after I get the diagnosis, we
3: also can create a treatment plan to start accommodating clients with whatever needs they have. We also got approved for a higher level of care and residential treatment so we can offer uh, clients with
0: co-occurring disorder and mental health component. So we're providing more individualized
4: treatment sessions with them and helping them get the cares that they need.
0: For more information about the CADA Adult Residential Alcohol and Drug Treatment Program, go to cadasb.org or call 805-963-1836. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in depth loan consulting to its customers in a personalized and honest manner.
1: And we can be reached at 805 564 1290, or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. So if you're just joining us, you're in for a real treat. We have Wendy Demansky, the owner of Wink Face Photography, with us today. Wendy, thanks so much for taking the time.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be on the show.
1: So let's start with where are you from? What, um, how did you get to Santa Barbara and kind of your background?
2: Sure. So I am actually from the Midwest. I have been in Santa Barbara for about five years or so. Um, originally, I grew up in Michigan and spent uh, the last 20 years in Chicago so definitely a Midwest girl, <laughs> true and true. And then- so let me guess, the weather is what? What attracted you? <laughs> uh, yeah. Actually, what was funny is um, when my husband had asked about coming out to Santa Barbara, it was a cold, freezing day in Chicago, and he he didn't even have to finish a sentence. You know, what do you think about moving out to Santa Barbara? And I don't know if you've ever experienced a Midwest winter, but um, they can be quite grueling. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I said, yes, let's do it. Let's do it. So we've been out here about five years or so. So so tell me what is what is your background and what
1: got you interested into in photography? Did you go to school for it or is it some
2: a passion that you've always had? Yeah, well, it was a quite a long path to to get to uh, a career in uh, pet photography. Uh, I spent a number of years in sales and um, I had a very long uh, career in uh, pharmaceutical, medical device sales and you know, it was, it was great jobs. I did enjoy doing it. Uh, the, the money was great. It's just, you know, it was just not really my passion. And, um, you know, my mom would always tell me when I would talk to her about my, my jobs, she's like, Wendy, you should really be doing something creative. And, and I knew in my heart that something creative and something working with animals was, was really the route that I wanted to be on, but I wasn't really quite sure how to get there. I mean, when I was in pharmaceutical sales, my favorite part of the job was um, coming up with fun blitzes, you know, where, whether it be painting pumpkins, I used to sell allergy products and I would paint a pumpkin of somebody sneezing and put that in the the allergist office with a brochure for Nasonex next to it. Um, You know, so that was always kind of what kind of inspired me the, the creative aspect of it. And so I spent a lot of years just ignoring that voice that told me that I was really on the wrong path. And and then one day when I was in medical device sales, um, we had our national sales meeting. We had those every year. And during one of those seminars, it was a seminar about motivation and doing what fulfills you. And there was a, a, a quote that was on the screen. And it said, Of all the things that people regret most in life, it's the things that they didn't do rather than the things that they did. And I thought, you know, that just really resonated that, you know, I'm not getting any younger. If I don't, take the chance and and do what I feel like I I should be on the right path to do, then, you know, it's, it just, I feel, it just felt like it was finally time to make the change. And so I came home from the seminar and talked to my husband and I was just like, you know, I'm like, I don't know if I could do this anymore. And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I just feel like I want to do something else with my career. And, and I was like, well, what do you want to do? And just out of left field, I said, I'm going to take pictures of dogs. (laughs) I
1: I, the look and on then this. did he laugh and say, well, how are you going to make money at that?
2: Right? I may have uh, compromised some of our retirement plans by making this. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to have to talk to both of you right after this call. <laughs> <laughs> so, so
1: really, you were, it, it's interesting because it, initially when Neil and I were discussing you, I assumed you were a regular photographer that then niched into animals. Yeah. So, (laughs) so is it just dogs or do you take pictures of cats too?
2: I mean, are the cat parents not quite as crazy as the dog parents? So, you just don't have as many of them. (laughs) I definitely will take pictures of cats and other animals, but dogs is definitely where. That's my specialty. I mean, I've always been a crazy dog person. Not that I don't like cats. I like cats. I just, I grew up with dogs. It was just always as a child. I have loved dogs. I just begged my parents for a dog. Can I have a dog? Can I have a dog? And every year for Christmas, they would give me a remote control dog, which appeased me for the first eight years or so until we finally got our family dog and
1: I'm going to say, that's a great idea. My kids want dogs right now too. And I'm going right. to have to Christmas, get them a
2: remote control
1: dog. <laughs>
2: they make them a lot try more realistic. <laughs> yeah, try it. it works for a while until it just stops working <laughs> and you get sick of the whining and begging for it. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's mostly, cause I mean, I just, I know dogs. I've volunteered in animal rescue and just, you know, I just, I, I, I can speak dog. I don't, I can honestly say I, I I love cats. I can take pictures of cats. It's just I don't feel like I'm as suited at cat photography as probably dog photography. Have, well,
0: you, ever got, have you ever got have you ever gotten bit, have you ever gotten bitten by one of your uh, subjects?
2: <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I'm going to knock on something. I don't know if you can hear this. I'm knocking on wood. <laughs> I have not, but I have come dangerously, dangerously close, and I'll have to share a picture of, of that. It was actually during, um, one of, um, I was in Chicago and I was taking a picture of helping somebody in rescue with a German shepherd and not that German shepherds are great. I have have German shepherd mixes. It's just, this one was probably not raised great. And so I I knew I wanted to help him out and and take pictures. And, um, it was an amazing trainer. So I felt very confident that, um, you know, the dog would be fine, had a kind of a, shorter lead and so I knew that the dog was nervous around people, I wanted to keep my distance and so I had a long focal length lens and I was far enough away and the dog was trying to bark at me lunge at me and I didn't react because I had been around dogs at the shelter and just dogs and all kind of behavior and I trusted the trainer. She let that leash down on accident when he lunged at one point and came within literally inches of my face. And I was still shooting my my trigger, my shutter. So I I was able to capture that moment. And after that, I got a little bit more nervous. (laughs) Didn't put as much trust, 100% trust in everyone holding the leash. But um, I'm always cautious. I I,
0: I wonder if uh, wedding photographers have the same problem. With a bride who's who's mad at somebody.
2: Oh,
1: Oh, there are groomzillas out there too. Neil. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So, so you you started with with dogs because that's who who captures your heart. Mm-hmm. How does how is it? You know, aside from those situations um, where you know, you feel uncomfortable with the with the animal. How do you really capture the the essence of the dog? Because I've seen your work and, and you really do an amazing job at capturing the animal personality.
2: Yeah, well, thank you for that. I, I appreciate that the compliment. You know, and that's, that's basically my goal for every photograph is to capture that specific unique personality of that dog. And I, I feel like it's, it, part of it is just, having the conversation with the owners and finding out, you know, what motivates a dog, making it kind of a a fun experience. If, if you know me, you know that I I don't take things too seriously. I want to make sure that everyone's having fun and I I want the experience to be pleasant for the owner, for the dog, for everybody. And so to make it a non-stressful environment, you want to make sure that it's fun for the pet. And so to taking them to a place that's maybe um, that they like going to. Maybe it's the beach or, you know, somebody's backyard or a park that they like to go to and just rewarding them a lot with, with treats or with whatever motivates them. Maybe it's their squeaky toy. Maybe it's a high value treat. Maybe it's a ball, their favorite ball. And so just, you know, having those things, whatever makes them happy and, and brings life to them is what's incorporated in the photography and giving them lots of breaks. And, and just because I've been around dogs all my mm-hmm. life, I know when they're getting bored. I know when it's time to you know, take a step up away, give them a treat, you know, take some time and, and just make sure, wait until we, we get that, that expression, that, you know, the, the look that they give, the head tilt, whatever it may be. So that's, I think, basically how I try to capture the dog's personality.
1: Tell us how you structure your shoot. So if I were a dog owner mm-hmm. and wanted to have you come and capture my, you know, my dog, how does, how does it work? I call you up, I, I email you, I get in touch with you. And then from there, what should I expect?
2: Right. So, I mean, it's a, I want to package it as really a full service experience. You know, I want this, as I mentioned, to be a fun experience and, and so what, what I do is, let's say you, you call me or you send me an email, we'll go to my website um, and just, you know, tell me that you want photographs of your dog. I have somebody fill out a questionnaire so I can get an idea of just general information about your dog, what you're looking for photos for. Do you want wall art? Are you just looking for digitals? Um is your dog sick? You know, is this looking? Are you looking to get photos quickly? Is this a present for somebody? And so I get the general information, and then I schedule a call with the clients just to really just hone in on the details. Well, okay, um, tell me about your dog. You know, tell me about what, where you, how you want to display these images. Do you want artwork um, for your walls? And then we talk about where do you want to go. What's meaningful in your picture? Is there a special park that you like to take your pet to? where are you envisioning having the shoot occur? And then we talk about the process because it's all about setting the expectation because there's a lot of people, they have no idea how the process works. And so I want to educate the entire way and let you know that, you know what? There's a lot of things that are going to go wrong. I like to always tell the owners that, this is dog photography. I mean, if you're expecting everything to be perfect, it's not going to work at all. (laughs) And that's the same with kids. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, setting the expectation that I'm fine with it. You should be fine with it. Please don't stress because that's going to translate to the pet. So I always like to have that conversation. You know, it's, everything's going to go wrong and it's going to be funny. And so I think they, once they realize that I'm okay with it and it's part of the process, they're a lot more relaxed during the the shoot and it's really helpful for the the session. So then we go to the you're
0: you're listening to money talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9. And we'll
4: be right back. Bank. Bank on better.
5: When it comes to making plans, you are the best. What about those round trips that you plan in advance, which are perfect on your way there and perfect on your way back? Or those meetings with friends for which you make a group chat three months before so that nobody or anything is missing? Or your daughter's first birthday party. You planned it with such dedication that instead of the first, it felt like our quince. The same way you plan each detail for those moments. Start planning to protect you and your loved ones from a natural disaster. Sign up for local weather and emergency alerts. Prepare an emergency kit and make a family communications plan. Protecting your family is the best plan you can make. Get started at ready.gov plan.
4: Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Wake up and text.
0: Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence.
1: We can be reached at 805-564-1290, or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. Wendy, before the break, we were discussing the process and we kind of, we've got to the point of where, you know, you told the owners to, you know, relax and don't worry that it, the more fun that the owner is having, the more fun, the the more likely you'll be able to capture that dog in it's happy spot. So from there, what should people expect?
2: Right. So we do the session and the session typically lasts about an hour to two hours more if somebody doesn't stop me because I will keep on going. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll do the session. And then um, afterwards, uh, it's we, um, I set the expectation that it will take a week or two or so uh, for me to kind of go through all the images because with digital photography, I'm going to get, it, it takes a lot of photographs, especially of dogs to get those handful of really, really good ones. So I'll sort through those. And then I, I make an appointment uh, with the client to review the images because, um, you know, it's, it's nice to go through it with the client because they may have some questions. Maybe they like the head tilt in this one, but they don't like the expression of the other dog, or maybe there's something distracting in the image that they are not sure of, or they're, they just need some additional assistance with which might make a better piece of, of wall art or which photos that they should select. And of course, it's always, you know, whatever mm-hmm. they feel is best for them, but I will always help educate and coach and, um, and so yeah, the, the client will select the images. I'll show some different samples of different products that, that they might wish to uh, put those images on, such as different, uh, you can, some people still like canvases or um, acrylic prints, acrylic wall art or metallic prints or metal prints. Uh, so there's, there's several different options. You can put it in a photo book. So we'll go through all that. And once we've come up with uh, a selection for the clients, then it gets sent off to the photo lab and sent back to me. I inspect it and make sure everything's great and then deliver it to the client. And hopefully they're happy and excited, (laughs) which oftentimes they uh, they fortunately always are, um, you know, and and just complete the process. So Uh,
0: that's a very labor intensive process that you're uh, describing Mm -hmm. Um, and your fees are not, excessive um it sounds like you're underpricing on an hourly on an hourly basis
2: (laughs) yeah and that's that i i know that's the thing that i think some of the photographers kind of Mm. fall into and i know that um i'm probably guilty of the same and um you know because it is it's a labor of love it's it's you know of course we're always hoping you know the the prices obviously should reflect the work and that's why sometimes people think too you know even when it's like a session of well, I don't understand why the, the session fee is so much money. They're thinking you're just going out and taking the pictures and that's not true. That's, that's just a small portion of the time investment. You know, it's, it's the hours that you're spending editing and working with the clients. So you're right. I mean, to be profitable, you really do have to you price your, your products accordingly.
1: And so let's talk a minute about your business model. So you have a, a fee that you charge for the photos, right? And then I'm assuming based upon the time intensiveness and the fact Neil said you're underpriced of all going through and editing, et cetera, et cetera, then you have a, uh, a sale of what the client wants, whether it be canvas or, you know, coffee mug or whatever you're putting your, these photos on. Do you, do you make a profit off of the products that, that you sell as well, or is it pretty much all your, all your, um, profit comes out of that sitting fee or session fee?
2: And the standard model is you know a lot of times the the session fee is pretty much just to cover our expenses i have an assistant that i work with and i do pay her she holds my my lighting equipment and so you know it's basically just a cover if somebody does not order anything but yeah the, i mean where the money really is 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 in selling the additional wall art because you're selling the art it's not just the piece of acrylic wall art that you're selling it's the time and you know the experience. It's it's everything that that goes into it, and so yes, that's that's where most photographers do make the profit is on the wall art.
0: And and how often do you get uh, orders a year later because they want more? They thought about it and they want an additional piece of art.
2: Yeah, I mean that that definitely happens, especially if a, if a pet passed or if they want to get a present for somebody else. That that happens. Um, and we we encourage people to obviously order what you can because we can't guarantee that in an, in a year that we will still will have those archives because storage, you know, as storage starts to fill up, then we'll have to delete some of those images or God forbid something happens. But, you know, as long as we can hold on to it, we will. But we don't encourage people to hold off on that because y- you never know if that item is still going to be available.
1: Now, the way you work, do you have various packages that people can buy or is it really an uh, a la carte ordering type process
2: i do have packages i have collections and so yeah i mean you know i I hope that people will will purchase a collection or something you know along those lines but they can still order if it's if you just want an individual print because you have a specific frame that you want to put that into Uh, of course we i offer that Um, i offer collection sets so if you're not sure if you want maybe three pieces uh, of three uh, different size canvases on your wall. Uh, I offer those different packages as well. And I actually also have uh, software that helps because a lot of times people don't know. They don't know, do I want the three? Do I want the one? How is that going to look on my wall? So I have uh, a software called Swift Galleries. And so if somebody actually sends me a picture of their wall with a piece of paper taped to it, it will actually calibrate um, what those images will look like on their wall at the various sizes. So it kind of helps with the whole process. So if you're not sure, a lot of times I get people saying, well, I just want an eight by 10 and I wanna put it on my large family room wall. And if you put up a, you know, eight and a half by or eight by 10 piece of paper on your wall, it's really the wall is gonna dwarf the little piece of paper. So it kind of helps them visualize what that would look like to help sell those collections. Right. And that's so important because mm-hmm. a lot of people aren't
1: able to to envision what it will look like in its final form. So I've got to imagine that with Photoshop is a big help in what you do, especially if you're dealing with multi animals. You know, I find that when I look back at my wedding photos, many of my images were Photoshopped. <laughs> so tell us how that works. And is it easier or harder with an animal for the Photoshop piece?
2: I would say almost all of my pictures that I take, I, I do photo. I do use Photoshop. And the reason being is because some people think that they could never get professional photos of their dog because my dog would never behave properly in, in a setting where it would have to be off leash. If you look at any of my pictures, you're not going to see the leash. The leash is distracting. You're not going to see people in the pictures. The people are distracting. And so pet safety is my number one concern. I would say that 75, 80% of those dogs in my photos actually were on leashes. And I utilize Photoshop to remove those leashes, to remove those distracting elements. And it's just based on safety. I would almost, you know, I encourage people to leave those leashes on because I don't want anything to happen to the pet.
0: So when I go to someone's house uh, who's divorced and I see pictures of them with their kids, but not their first wife, they were probably photoshopped?
1: (laughs) Probably.
0: (laughs) You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back.
1: Please visit arlingtonfinancialadvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805
4: A single ember that escapes from a wildfire can travel over a mile, carrying a world of trouble. It can land, ignite, and destroy your home and community. You can't control where that ember will land. Only what happens before it does. With simple things like clearing areas around buildings, knowing community safe zones, and being prepared for wildfires, you could keep this from turning into this. Your home is better protected from wildfire when your whole community is prepared. Visit fireadapted.org for more tips on how to get started adapting your home and community to wildfires. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome
0: back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks can only dream about. So Wendy, before we were talking about Photoshop, when you take something big out, like a person who's holding the dog, what is replaced? Do do you able to get the grass or the trees behind uh, uh, the person, or is it blank? How how do you deal with what's behind the person?
2: Sure, and that's an excellent question. So in Photoshop, what I will typically do is I will, Obviously take the photos of the person holding the dog in position, keeping them safe. And then I will ask them to leave with the dog and just, and I stay in the same exact position. I keep the camera in the same position, the same F stop. I mean, I keep all the settings the same. And I will just take a couple more pictures and use that, I always call it a donor picture because I will then take it and do like an overlay and put a layer over it and then just erase out the things that I don't want in there. So it will be replaced with what truly was in the background originally. And Photoshop is pretty intuitive when it comes to, um, you know, swapping the backgrounds out like that.
1: Now, uh, do you also take pictures of owners and their dogs or is it always just the dogs?
2: I do. No, absolutely. And, and I always ask uh, the clients too, do you want to be in any of the photos? You know, sometimes they say yes, sometimes they say no. And so, um, you know, that's that's always an option because I, I love connect, capturing that connection that people have with their pets. And so that's just depending on what they want. And, People are, in my book, a little bit more challenging sometimes than the, the pet. But, but, um, to take yeah. a picture
1: or just in general?
2: <laughs> just in general. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I kid. I love people. <laughs> I love photographing people. It's just sometimes, you know, the dogs... It, what I love about a dog is what makes them so unique, you know, their big goofy ears or their underbite or just whatever kind of just is unique about them. When the people come in, they're like, oh, can you Photoshop me? Can you make me look skinnier? Can you liquefy this? Can you, you know, whatever it is that they're uncomfortable with. And so I have to kind of work with whatever insecurities that some people may have. And so it's they They can articulate their insecurities where they dogs can. don't.
1: <laughs> the dog <breaks> it. <laughs> so what are the tricks? to get a dog to pose, because I've got to imagine that, you know, they can't always just be cooperative, but maybe they are. I, I see one in the back of Neil's, uh, Neil's screen right now, just just hanging out listening to you.
2: But <laughs> I didn't see which one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, gosh, I've been doing this, like I said, for about seven years. And so I've learned many, many, many tricks. The thing about dogs is that it's always the element of surprise. And so it's, it's noises, it's the squeaker, it's the food, it's whatever it is that really kind of is going to get their attention. And um, to to get those looks and to, to get their attention, it's, it only works maybe once, twice, maybe three times, and then you have to move on to something else. So if you go into my, my bag of goodies, you will see, I mean, it, Somebody would probably want to analyze, you know, my brain going, what kind of bag is this? I have rubber chickens. I have a harmonica. I have whistles. I have (laughs) peanut butter. I mean, Neil saw it. (laughs) So so there's a lot of things that I have. And you know what? I've become very good at making really odd noises, dolphin noises and strange noises. So I always tell people when they do a session with me, I'm like, okay, be ready. Wear your sunglasses because I'm going to sound really embarrassing. (laughs) Mm. So. And people are always like, now, have you ever
1: encountered a dog that just would not cooperate that you could not capture them and their essence?
2: fortunately, the only time I've had to reschedule is once. And that was because I had very limited time. I was photographing, volunteering my time at a Wags and Whiskers care for paws, um, Festival, and so we had a photo booth, and it was maybe fifteen minutes. And I just had one dog that could not get to look. There's lots of distractions. There were dogs around, and I felt bad. I mean, my my goal is always to make sure that somebody's going to walk away with pictures that they love. And if they are not looking, I will always do whatever I can to make sure, even if it means I have to reschedule. And I did that one time. I rescheduled because. I I didn't get the dog to look, but I would say, fortunately, even when I come away from a session and think, gosh, you know, my husband's like, how did it go? And I'm like, I don't know about this one. That one was really, really hard. (laughs) And there's always something. I mean, there's always something that you can gather. And like, like I said, I've been doing this for so long that I kind of know what I can do to get them to look. Um, So I fortunately haven't had them that happen um, more than once but not to say it it, it won't happen the, the ones that are really challenging are the ones that are very nervous or maybe don't respond to noises or can't hear you know those kind of things and so i will do whatever i can to make sure that somebody's going to walk away with images they love and back to the images what tools do you employ for
1: for to help you do you use a website how do your clients view your photos how do they purchase items what is your back end of your business
2: yeah so i mean basically how people hear about me is typically through um social media Um, i've been in animal welfare for a long time i've been in santa barbara now for like i said um five years and very active in the animal community. so people I, i get a lot of referrals and I also donate my time to a lot of charities as well. Uh, and so I kind of get my name out there that way as well. Um,
0: Can you explain to our listeners what the word animal welfare means?
2: Yeah, so really the one of the main reasons that I became a pet photographer is because I helped out a lot in shelters and I really wanted to make sure that you know, to help out because photos are basically these animals lifelines. So I, I consider shelter work, uh, animal welfare. I do a lot of work with uh, Care for Paws. I, when I first moved here, I became on board and then they hired me to be their community programs coordinator. And so it, just helping out uh, pets and pet families in need. Um, also in terms of like animal welfare, I have donated my time and my services to help with different fundraisers, uh, whether it be Uh, People's making donations to get their pets on a calendar, like for Shadows Fund, where they have a sanctuary for dogs um, that are a little bit harder to place. For Mead Canine Rescue, that is basically a sanctuary for senior dogs uh, that have pretty much been discarded. And so animal welfare, in my mind, is anything to help advance animal welfare and the animal welfare community and and people and and
0: pets in need. Yeah, it's amazing. I know people that purposely go out and uh, rescue older dogs, which to me is is not only wonderful, but it's very difficult because any of dog owners that have lost a dog know how difficult it is. And when you are adopting a 12, 13-year-old dog, you're looking at Uh, obviously, a period of of mourning somewhat ahead. So it's really great that people are now taking an interest in in working with very senior dogs.
2: Absolutely. And it's Heart-wrenching when you see at the shelter too, somebody that has turned in a family dog after 14 years and just how depressed they are at the shelter. They won't eat, they won't look out of their kennel, they're just depressed. And that somebody has it in their heart to go and, and give their final years, who knows how long they have, but just to make sure that they have a really good life you know, for however long they have with them. It takes a very special person to adopt a senior. I've,
0: I've always said that people should have licenses to buy to get a dog because uh, a mean dog owner is really, I think, one of the more horrible things uh, to you know, to give up a dog when they're a senior or to, because you just happen to be moving is is uh, is just be is just beyond me. Um, you're listening to money talk on a m twelve ninety and fm ninety six point nine and believe it or not, we'll be right back with our final segment. <laughs>
4: When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service, every day, every way. You can bank on us.
1: Bank on us. Bank
4: on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. August means it's back to school time. From nursery school to college, there are some 76 million students in the education system. That's about one out of four of the total U.S. population aged three and over. Of the 8.7 million Americans ages 20 and 21 years old, 52% are enrolled in college. There are 32.6 million students in elementary schools and 16.4 million high school students. Profile America is a public service of the U.S. Census Bureau.
0: Welcome back to Money Talk, (laughs) brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. I want to explain that brain freeze, because I was about to say... Uh, welcome back to About Education, brought to you by, and I was going to talk about my Wednesday show, and they would have taken me away with white coats. So I, at least I caught myself.
1: Good good job, Neil. Good <laughs> job. Wendy, we have, I'm like moving on from here. I have um, a people photographer who uses a service called Smug Mug. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you also use? And if so, what does that do for you? and your business
2: yeah so smug mug i do actually use smug mug and it is a uh, online gallery so it is a way to store the images share the images there's also you know for different products that may be something that i don't offer that i, I don't sell through my lab they have a professional photo lab attached to it as well so let's say for example you want to Uh, save the image uh, and then you want to put it on a mug or something like that, those other type products. uh, It's just a way, it's a convenient way for you to uh, save the images, store the images, and uh, get other products that you might not be able to get elsewhere.
1: In today's day where many of the photo developing places have gone either out of business or have moved to a centralized location, where do you get your photography developed? Do you do that? Is that something you do yourself? Or is there some place in town that you do get it developed?
2: Sure. Uh, that's, that's a great question. And it is sad that in you know, the Sammies of the world and, you know, places like that where us photographers r- relied on so heavily for local support, you know, unfortunately with everyone purchasing online and things like that, it's, it's harder to get those um, services locally. Uh, for photo labs, I, I've actually been using the same photo lab uh, since I started in photography. And so it is a lab that's that's located um, in the Midwest, and they do ship all over the country, all over the world. And it's one where they do offer products that will last a lifetime. So it's not um, just like a, a, a drugstore or something like that, where you're just getting your photos processed. I mean, it is, you know, the, the high-end equipment that will archive the images for I think they guarantee like 100 years or so.
1: For somebody listening out there, what is the, and they have a pet, a dog, preferably, that they want, that they can't live without getting professionally photographed, what is the best way for them to reach you?
2: So uh, I would love to photograph their pets <laughs> and capture their, their personalities. Uh, the best way to reach me is uh, you can uh, go to my website at winkfacephotos.com, or you can follow me on social media at Winkface Photography, or you can send me an email at wendy at winkfacephotos.com.
0: And um you have a very robust website with uh great examples of your work, which is uh, a good thing to have in your in your, uh, uh, in your portfolio to make it easy for people to check out, uh, whether or not you're right for them simply because you can see all your work. Do you have competition in town?
2: I do, but you know, um, you know, and maybe 10 years ago, there weren't as many pet photographers, but we all offer a different service and style. And so maybe my style might not be some, something that somebody wants, but maybe, because if you haven't checked out my work, I am, my photos are Very kind of in your face, showing the personality. I love really um, stunning backgrounds and um, with sunset pictures. I mean, they're very bright and vibrant, and you know, almost whimsical. And so, maybe you want something that's maybe a little bit softer, and you know, the the pretty ethereal kind of look and things like that. You know, then maybe that's the photographer that you go for. So, definitely, I recommend checking out. Uh, the photographer's work and seeing what aligns with what it is that you're looking for.
0: It, what what I can say about your work, I have Weimaraners and anyone that knows about dog photography knows about William Wegman uh, who sells his work for 60,000 a photo. And he takes pictures of Weimaraners, which he dresses up like humans. And most people then think of Weimaraners as greatly phonogenic and very uh uh, very iconic because of the way he's able to make them. And because wein has have, have great expressions to make them look like humans, but you actually make the dogs look like they are and make them their personality come through, which is, I think what makes you, um, really unique in the in the field. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for all the work that you do Wednesday. Uh, I hope that people will take get your services. And thank you Diane for putting up with me today. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Money Talk and we'll see you all next week.